together. Man, what a great time it is to connect with the body. As, as we're many members, we're scattered all throughout the week. But when the body comes together, there's something powerful, isn't there? Amen. The body of Christ is here and God is here. Amen. And uh, we, we enjoy that. And we don't want to take it for granted. We don't want to get used to it and get comfortable with it. Man, we just want to do what God wants to do, right? Amen. No matter what it is. Amen. I want to thank you for all those who uh, came out yesterday and supported and uh, with our the, the men's and ladies events. Amen. Whether you came and held a door, whether you made lots of, lots of food and all kinds of activities, or whether you just came to eat the food that was made, we needed your help. Amen. We're the body of Christ. Somebody's got to be the stomach. Somebody's got to be the stomach. Somebody's find their calling. Amen. And so uh, it's always great to, to fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. Amen. The uh, kids' church can be dismissed today if you're ages 2 to 8. Uh, if you follow the mass exodus through this door, you'll be in the right direction. Ages 2 to 8 for children. Amen. And uh, we're excited for what God is doing. As we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord today. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. We'll read a verse in Isaiah. Read a verse in Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament. They don't, they're not conflicting, but they work together. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. Amen. When you're dried out and you're, you're, you're dehydrated, what you need is a river start flowing. And doesn't matter if you're in the valley today, if you're in the desert today, God says, hey, I can make water spring forth in your life. I can bring a river in your situation. Amen. In Revelation 21 and 5, and he that sat upon the throne, there's only one throne and only one God. So we know who that's talking about. And Jesus, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and faithful. I make all things new. Aren't you thankful for a God that can make new things? Just out of, out of nowhere, when there's nothing exists, he can just speak new things into existence. Because that's a God that we serve. Amen. I want to preach today from this title, uh, a new thing. A new thing. Turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord, and you may be seated. I, I don't know what it is, but <clears throat> there is a scent out there that is just wonderful, but it, it comes with a price, and it is the new car scent. You know what I'm talking about, right? I haven't smelled that in a long time. Actually, I don't know if I've ever owned that scent, but... Uh, uh, and you know what it costs to have that scent, to fill your nostrils and just to breathe that in. Which, uh, it's just a miraculous smell. The previous owners of my vehicles took that scent with them. So I am left with the new car scent air fresheners, which they're not the same. It's just not the same. You can't manufacture that in, that, in a little thing. Uh, and so... The cheapest way that I have discovered 
to get a hold of that scent uh, is to get a rental car, and you pray that it's a new one for a day or so. Or I guess the freeway would be just go, be go and visit a car lot here and act like you're interested. You're just, just inhaling all that smell. That's the freeway, I guess. Uh, but even then, you have to return the rental car, and then that scent is gone once again. And as we age in this life, we learn to appreciate new things, new experiences, new clothes, new shoes, new phones. While the age things build character and value, new is special and unique. It has that all that kind of has an impact on your life for about two weeks. Something you just had to have. And you have it and you're enjoying it for about two weeks and then all of a sudden it's not new anymore. And it becomes normal, we, we become used to it and we start looking for the new next thing. Because we live in a world where they'll, they'll continue putting out new things. And if you want to try to keep up, uh, you won't uh, make it very long. And, and that is not to say that there is anything wrong with the old thing. Uh, it, it, can, it can function perfectly fine, but if you're just wanting something new or, or maybe even times the old thing can be a, a wreck or be broken down and you actually need to get something new and not just want something new. Like when your phone screen shatters, you got you to gotta get that fixed unless you're going to deal with that uh, all day long. And so we, uh, just, we, we like new things and God likes new things too. Aren't you glad that you're like God? You like new things. His new is just on a different level than our new. You see, from what we can figure out, in the beginning, there wasn't any of this. And then when we opened our eyes, this is what we saw. Uh, this world, these trees, the, this ground, this dirt, these animals. But there was a time in history where all of this did not exist. Where this old, dusty earth was the newest and greatest thing in the universe. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Big Bang happened right there, Genesis 1. Uh, when God spoke, things just appeared. Miraculously, out of nothing, only God can do that. Uh, only God can do that. Science can't, can't figure that out, but they just say it's a theory. Well, how can nothing produce something? That's not science to me, but when you read uh, the first page of the Bible, it all makes sense. There it is. There's where it happened. God just spoke, and all of a sudden, these worlds came into existence, and that's the power that our God has to create things new from nothing. Verse 2, it says, when the earth was out without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. New, uh, a brand new earth, polished without smudge or of a, of a fingerprint. A, a brand new heaven that shined and glistened and lighted up the skies. This all happened just at the utterance of a few words from the mouth of God. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and, and things that were without form and void all of a sudden started taking on shape, and were, all of a sudden things were made new. And, and talk about an introduction to the God that we serve. First page of the Bible, first verse, you see the power that God has. And so let me ask you, does the, 
Bible describe anyone else with this kind of power? The Bible, the Bible's a thick, thick book. Lots of characters, lots of people and beings in it. But does the Bible describe anybody else besides God having the power and the ability just to speak and a universe appears? The only other being that anyone really kind of pays attention to is the devil. And we're introduced to him in the beginning as well. But Satan's introduction does not include... Him speaking, and galaxies appear out of thin air. Satan's introduction doesn't show us him creating heavens and and planets and trees and animals and, and human beings. No, Satan's introduction does not include any of that. Why? Because Satan does not have that kind of power. Satan cannot speak and say, let there be light, and there, there was all of a sudden light. Because we are introduced to Satan, he is borrowing the body of an animal. He's borrowing the body of a serpent, and the words that Satan speaks are deceitful, and they hold no power. And so why do we tend to give Satan all this kind of power that we think he has when he really does not have any kind of power because God has all the power. Satan is not equal with our God. He is not the opposite of God. They're not even in the same realm of things. There's only one God who sits upon the throne, and his name is Jesus, and he has all power in heaven and earth, and the devil doesn't have barely any kind of power. So why should we give the the devil more credit than he has? He's not God's opposite. Opposites have to have an equal, positive and negative, an equal balance of force. Satan has no power compared to God's power. So therefore, they cannot be opposites because they are not equal. And at the very most, the very most, Satan will pull down fire from the sky. Revelation. The very most. Wow, one little firework. That's what Satan's got, a firework. How does that even compare to God speaking and the fireball of the sun just appears? How does that even compare? Why? What, there's no comparison there. All Satan can do is color a picture with crayons, and and God can actually speak to that picture, and it can actually come to life. That's the difference of of type of power that Satan has versus the power that God has. And so we need to stop making Satan bigger than he really is. He is powerless when it comes to our God. When When God shows up, Satan runs and hides. Why? Because he is no match for our God. And so we are on God's side, and God is on our side. And it's not a fair fight for the devil. It's not a fair fight for him. But... That's, that's his side. That's his problem. That ain't my problem. I'm choosing the winning side. Now, if you don't choose to be on the winning side, then it obviously becomes a problem for you, and it's not fair for you. But God's going to welcome anybody, all who wants to come. God wishes that none should perish, but all could, should come to repentance. So everyone is welcome on the winning side. It's just a matter of who's going to come over. So we have the advantage. We have the upper hand. And... Uh, the minuscule power that Satan has can't do anything about it. 
It's unfair for him, but he can't do anything. He made that choice. In fact, Jesus says that Satan has such little power that Jesus gave to one of his disciples power over Satan and power over all of his army of misfits. One of his disciples has more power than the devil. Luke 10, 18, and he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That about sums up Satan's power right there. Just a firecracker that's burning out. A flare that lights up for a second and is gone. In verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's he speaking to his disciples and therefore he's speaking to us. How is that? It's because God gave them his spirit. The same spirit that was moving on the face of the waters in the beginning, the same spirit that spoke and a hundred million galaxies appeared, that spirit God gave to his disciples, and he also gave that to you if you've received his spirit. So the devil is powerless against the spirit of God. And the sooner that we understand that, the less running and hiding that we do, and the more running and hiding that the devil does. Why? God has given you his spirit. And God, the devil cannot compare. The devil can't compete with the spirit of God. It is even believed by some that Satan was booted out of heaven between Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis 1 and 2. Some, some would suggest that. I don't think it really matters whether or not it's true. But they say that because God created the heavens and the earth, and then that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And, and they say, well, when God makes something, it's never without form and void. God always has a purpose and a plan for something that he makes. And, and why would God make something that is covered in darkness? And, and so we see God creating these things. And, and what does he say? When God creates things in Genesis 1, he says, it is good. It is good. It is good. And so I, I, can, I can subscribe to the thought that, you know, when Satan fell out, was booted out of heaven, he slammed into earth and kind of messed things up for a bit. And then in verse 2, God's like, well, I got I to gotta start working this up because Satan messed it up. And so, um, so the Spirit of God came down and started moving and said, uh, because I have the power to take what the devil has messed up and I can make it new again. Only God can do that. Only God can take something that is old and, and broken and, and hurting, and only he can make that uh, into something new. Yeah, the devil can make a mess of things, but God can make things new. He can make all things new, and he does all things well. The devil sure has made a mess of the things of this world, hasn't he? But you know what God is going to do? God is just going to make a new heaven and make a new earth. Making new heaven, it's not a problem for God. He's looking forward to making new things. A new heaven, a new earth, it's because Bible's revelation is coming down from heaven. Because he has the power to do that. John sees this actually happen, Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Just like that, God says, hey, it's time for a new earth, and I can make a new earth just by speaking into existence. And boom, there's a new heaven, new earth. Doesn't matter how much the devil messes this up, 
God's got a new plan. He's got a plan coming. He's got a new earth coming. And it says there's no more sea, which leads me to believe that there's not going to be any oceans uh, on the new earth, if that's what it means. So if you're afraid of if you're afraid of swimming, the new earth might not have any water to walk around on or to, to drown in. I guess you can walk around it too if you're with Jesus on a new earth. So it, it, it was. it's time to, to start something new, to start afresh, and only God has that kind of power. Again, Satan has no creative power. He, he's limited by what has already existed, and he can only use what, it, what has already been made. God has the power just to speak something, and it comes to existence. Only God can take sin-stained garments and make them white as snow. Only God can take a sin-stained garment, make it white as snow. Only God can take a drug addict and make him into a preacher of the gospel. Only God can turn a sinner into a saint of the most high God. Only God has that kind of transforming power. And I know he's done a work in you because you're here today worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know of this power that God speaks of because you've experienced it in your life. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the, the kingdom of God. Not deceived, neither fornicators, adulterers, or uh, adulterers, or effeminate, or abusers of themselves, of mankind, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Only God can do something like that, turn those things around and make a new out of something that was broken. Only God can uh, take something without purpose and repurpose it. Only God can take something that is void of value and make it priceless. And that power does not exist out there in the world. The only thing that you can find out there is makeup and masquerades. Because all they can do is try to cover things up. All they can try to do is to cover up the sin and to mask the blemishes and to, to put things on to hide, hide the stains and hide the sin and, and pretend like everything is fine when really, really deep down they're, they're broken. They're hurting, and they're desperate for a change, and desperate for a fresh start, and desperate and hungry for something new. But power like that cannot be found in the world. But I'm here to tell you today, that power is available here. That power is here today to transform somebody's life. The power is available, and it is found in Jesus Christ. Second Chronicles. Of Corinthians, Second Corinthians says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Aren't you thankful for that verse? Aren't you thankful for what God has done for you in that life and your life through that verse? You tell me, you tell me of someone who doesn't want a fresh start. You tell me someone who, who, want, who doesn't want a second chance or a, or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance. You tell me someone who doesn't want the mistakes of their past expunged and washed away. 
You tell me someone who, who wouldn't want to wake up every morning to the mercies of God, fresh and anew, and the grace that is poured out from heaven. No, every single person, every human being desires for that in their life, desires that kind of power, that transformational power. And as a witness, and in the presence of many other witnesses, I can attest that that power is real. That transformation, that power is real. That there is a place where you can go to have the sins of your past washed away, wiped clean. And that place is the altar where if we confess our sins, there is one who is faithful and just who will forgive them. The only place that can happen is at an altar. Washing your sins away, wiping them away like, like they've never existed. And it doesn't matter what you've done. The grace of God is sufficient for you. If you're here today, it doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've been for God. from God. You're here today for a purpose, for a reason. Why? Because the grace of God has brought you here. And if he's brought you here or you're listening, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. All you got to do is to find an altar of repentance and God will show up in your life. The grace of God can, is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins, but you, you have to admit it. You have to admit that you've messed up. And that can be a hard thing for a lot of people. Admitting failure, you have to come clean, you have to confess, you have to repent. And, and that is the first step to experiencing a new thing in your life. The first step anywhere is, is repentance. After that, Jesus asks us to take the next step and to get baptized in his name. Baptism is symbolic of the washing away of your sins. It is also likened unto being buried with him. Buried as if you were dead. Because true repentance is a death. True repentance is a dying out to sin and a dying out to our old ways and dying out to our wills and our desires. And, and, and when somebody is dead, you bury them. And so if you find an altar, if you build an altar and you repent and you die out to that altar, guess what? you got to get buried. And the Christian burial is being baptized. Calling upon the name that has the power to change us and the power to transform us. And that name is Jesus. The only name given among men whereby we must be saved. That name bears so much power that we are told that every knee is going to bow when the name of Jesus is spoken. Not just every person, but the Bible says everything that is in heaven, everything that is on earth and everything that is under the earth will bow to the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And if I'm going to get buried, this is just me speaking, if I'm going to get buried before I go under, I'm going to call on the name that has, the only name that has the power to bring me up. That's just me. You can do something, you can do whatever you want. But if I'm going to get buried, I'm going to call on the name that has the power to lift me up, to bring me up out of that grave. And we know that that name is Jesus. We call upon the name, we plead his name, we plead his blood because there's power in that name. And so many people, so many people sadly get 
baptized like this before they go under. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Well, what, what, what name is that? You said you're going to call on a name. Why don't you just say the name? It takes longer uh, to say all those titles than to just say the name Jesus. Get it, get it over and get done with. Jesus, boom, one syllable. And so Father isn't a name. Every knee isn't going to bow when, a fa- when Father is mentioned. Why, there's lots of fathers here. Who are you talking about? Baptizing in my name? I'm a father. The only name that I know uh, uh, is, is Jesus that can do that. The Son isn't a name. Holy Ghost is not a name either. The only name that I know, the only name that the apostles baptized and buried people was in the name of Jesus. And so, hey, why should I call on any other name? Why should we do everything else in the name of Jesus except baptize? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we'll do all things in the name of the Lord except baptize. Doesn't make any sense, does it? And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name or you can't remember what that preacher said before he put you underwater, you, you better, might as well make up your choice, your mind right now and say, hey, i got to know without a shadow of a doubt that I called upon the name of Jesus uh, before I was baptized. Because it's that important. It's that, it's that critical that you are baptized in the right name. Because if you haven't done that, we've got water, warm water waiting and robes to wear. And you can walk out of here with wet hair and a new walk. That's simple as that. Church isn't complicated. The gospel's not complicated. All you need to know is Jesus. That's it. Jesus take care of everything. To get baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost, start calling on Jesus. That's all. It's, it's that simple. But, but it gets better. It gets better because if you've been baptized, then you've been buried with him, which is great. But you don't want to stay buried, do you? Nobody wants to be buried alive. Well, technically, if you're dead to sin, you're dead. So uh, you're just there waiting. But uh, you don't want to stay buried. You want to come out of the grave just like Jesus did. And, and how, did, how did Jesus do that? By, by having the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was moving on the waters and said, this place looks dead and I need to do something about it. I need to make a new thing here, a new work. And, and that's what you need in your life. After you get buried, you need the power to raise you back up out of the grave so you'll come and live a new life. Romans 8 and 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The only way that you're coming out of the grave is if you have the Holy Ghost inside of you. If you have the spirit of God living in you, then you're going to raise up out of that grave. But until you receive the Holy Ghost, you're still buried. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name. There's a whole new level of living after you've received the Holy Ghost. Because it, you got that power come down from on high. You can't explain it. You start feeling and hearing the voice of God. And, and it's because of that connection of the Spirit of God that has been inside of you. And how will you know when you receive the Spirit? 
well, God will do a new thing in you. He'll do something in you that you've never done before. He'll take control of your tongue and you'll start speaking a new language like you, like you grew up with it. You'll just start speaking and, and speaking a heavenly language, something you've never done before, something you've never experienced before. Why? Because God likes to do new things in people's lives. He likes to do a new thing in this world, and, and not just in this world, but in your life today. And, and that is a life-changing, life-transforming power gospel that is preached in the church today. And we didn't start preaching this just because we felt like it or heard a, uh, read a book or watched uh, something on YouTube. No, the, the church has been preaching this same message for thousands of years. It dates all the way back to Acts, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I think God's still calling people today. If God is still calling people today, then there's a promise waiting for every single person, and that is repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And so don't let the things that you know, the things that you've experienced, the things that you're used to and comfortable and familiar with, don't let those things keep you from experiencing a new thing today. Because they can and they will. I have seen with my own eyes and heard with my own ears people that are not willing to experience a new thing. Because of traditions. That's a big one. Traditions, family tradition. My great-grandmother didn't do that, so I'm not doing that. My whole family has been Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm sticking with my family. So I, I can't get baptized in Jesus' name. That's not what we're used to. That's not what our family's done. Or I can't experience a new thing because I'm holding on to the old. And Jesus said that you can't have the new thing while holding on to the old thing. Something's got to give one way or the other. New and old, they, they, you know, they don't necessarily work together, but you have both of them. And so when something new comes along, you got to decide, am I going to go with the new thing or I'm going to stick with the old thing? Obviously, wisdom and, and understanding of all those things, you figure it out. But if it's in the Bible, if it's being preached by the apostles, and I haven't experienced it yet, how is that a bad thing? Why would I not want what the Bible talks about getting and, and promises and power and, and living above sin and reproach? And why would I not want to experience all that when, when it's available? But people that hold on to things of old are not going to let things go. Musicians can come as I read this, Luke 5, 36. He spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken uh, out of the new agreeeth not with the old. No man putteth new wine into old bottles, 
Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but you can't squeeze this apostolic doctrine into a Catholic home. You can't squeeze it into Catholic traditions or any kind of other religious traditions or family traditions because it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It's not going to hold together. You can't hold on to old traditions and, and try to receive something new, especially this apostolic doctrine. Because this new thing, this baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost and tongue-talking and holy living and, and righteous living and all these things, it all comes with a supernatural anointing, a supernatural demonstration of power because we're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Last time I checked, you can't contain and you can't bottle up fire and expect it to survive. Either you bottle it up and the flame goes out, or you let it go and the fire the, it consumes a new thing. It consumes everything in its path. Either you gotta, you got to let the Holy Ghost just consume you, or you're going to try to bottle it up and keep it contained. One way is going to lead you to, to the Holy Ghost and revival fire. The other way is going to lead you to the wilderness and, and deadness and dryness. I, I don't know about you, but I want to follow the ways of the Lord, and I want to let him lead me the new paths and, and new ways and, and new levels and new depths in God. And the only way we can do that is sometimes we got to reach out and say, okay, God, step out, out, stepping out in faith, because God wants to do a new thing, and new wine must be put in new bottles. There are countless people, and many are here today, who once they let God do a new thing in their life, their friends and their family turn their backs on them. They shun them and cut them off and say, man, you're, you're a crazy person. We don't really, we don't like you being around. You're just, you're, just, you, you're, not, you're not welcome here. All because all of a sudden you get baptized and get the Holy Ghost and now all of a sudden you see your friends disappearing and your family turning on you. Why? New things ain't going to blend with the old ways of this world. And, and so something's got to give. And so uh, if, 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 if. Uh, if you've lost your friends and family, that's okay. We're, we're the body of Christ. We're all crazy, and we're all going to be here together. And so we're your new brothers, and we're your new sisters, and we're your new family. Why? Because we're all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And so we are here together to work on these new things that God is doing in us. It's exactly what Jesus says. The new thing doesn't fit with the way that we're raised. It doesn't fit with your traditions. I used to live like this, and now I'm introduced to a new thing in uh, the kingdom of God, and it's, it's kind of it's not lining up with the way that I'm used to doing things. Well, it's a new thing, and you're used to the old things. You've got to decide, am I going to embrace the new thing that is, is backed and found in Scripture, or I'm just going to hold on to my old ways and my old lifestyle? They can't work together. You've got to decide, what, what are you going to let go of, the new thing in God? Or let go of the, the traditions and things that are holding us back. If it doesn't fit within your traditions, if it messes up your worldview, that is precisely what new means. It's unique and different than the rest. If you want normal church, normal life, normal traditions, 
There are plenty of options out there, plenty of places that sell used items and secondhand things, and, and they don't cost as much, and, and you get a discount. They're kind of more budget-friendly, and, and it, may not, it may have some dents or some scratches or some smudge marks, and it, it may be missing a piece or two, but it's easy to swallow, it's easy to get, and it's easy, and it doesn't really have that impact on your life like something brand new. But if you want something new, that's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You want the latest and greatest, and you're going to have to pay up, aren't you? You want something new from God, it's going to cost you something. We can hold on to our old experiences we can hold on our experience from last Sunday and the week before and, and the month before. We got all those great experiences, and that's great. I'm not, I'm not cutting them down. But uh, God, God did that for you, but I, I know that God wants, still wants to do a new thing in your life. He's got something new for you today that you didn't experience last week. And next week, he'll have something new for you that you didn't get a hold of today. But we got to decide, are we going to keep holding on to the things of old? Or are we going to say, God, do a new thing in me. God, I'm going to let go. God, I'm going to step out in faith and say, hey, God, whatever you got for me, I'm willing. I'm able. I'm hungry. I want a new thing in my life. And you got to be willing to step out in faith and say, okay, God. God, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of my old experience. And I want a new experience in you. I want to let go of, of, of all the things that you've done for me and, and because I know you can bless me again. I know that you can do create a new thing. I know you can open doors that, that no man can open and shut them that uh, no man can open them. I know, God, you can do things. You can create and speak things into existence. And so I want to let go uh, and, and step out and say, God, do a new thing in me. Not trying to bash old things or, or things that we have or things that we've experienced in the past, not that they're wrong, I'm just saying God wants to do a new thing in you. And new always stands out from the rest. New tends to replace an older thing in your life. People getting this, this magic money from Uncle Joe go out and, and get a 100-inch a TV, can't even fit the box in their car, and they're, they're trying to bring it home. And have to rearrange your entire house. Got to rearrange my whole living room because this thing is so huge. Thanks, Uncle Joe. And, and so they have no problem rearranging their house and their furniture and all these things. They're fine with that. But, but a new thing from God, sorry, God, it doesn't fit. Sorry, Lord, I don't really have any room today for you. I don't really have any time for this new thing. I'm not rearranging my life, and this is how the layout of the room is going to be, and I can't move anything. I'm not going to do anything because new is always going to cost you something. New is always going to cost you something. And if God wants to do a new thing in your life today, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that, experiencing something new or, or dancing like you've never done before or running the aisles if you've never done that before? Would you be okay with that if God, if the power of God just fell down here and struck you and you, you just lost your lost control of everything? Say, God, I want you to do a new thing in me. I'm letting go and letting your spirit lead me today. That can happen today, but if you're willing to pay the price.
you stand with me today? Every time God does something new, something supernatural happens. Because God is supernatural, and if He's the active force behind it, it's going to be supernatural. If He's create, if He's the one doing it and 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 moving and acting, it's going to be a supernatural thing. When when God did a new thing in Genesis one, were there supernatural signs and wonders? There's nothing, and all of a sudden a universe. That seems like a supernatural thing to me. What about when God did a new thing and caused it to rain and flood the earth? And now we have this supernatural thing called a rainbow and we still get to see it. It didn't exist before. Genesis 6 wasn't a rainbow. But God says, hey, I'm going to do a new thing. And we still see the effects of it every, every day, every time it rains. It's a supernatural thing. God created that. What about when... God did a new thing, something he never did before, and he brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage. How many supernatural events happened there? Lots. He was doing a new thing, and he was making an impact. What about this new thing called manna? What is this? What it means, what is this? It's a new thing. That's, that's supernatural. You wake up every day out in the desert, and there's food waiting for you. Supernatural. God's doing something new. What about the rebellion in the wilderness against Moses and Aaron? What did, what did, what did Moses say? Number 16. But if the Lord make a new thing, if God does something new that he's never done before, and the earth opens her mouth, swallows those rebellious people up, all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit. Then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Moses understood. He's like, hey, if God does something new, that means you made him mad. And guess what happened? The earth just opened up and swallowed people. That's, that's supernatural to me. Maybe you've experienced things like that, but I, I don't want to. What about when God instituted a new thing, a new office called prophets that really weren't around before. God says, hey, I'm going to start a new office, these, this, this new ministry called prophets. How many supernatural events happen with prophets? Something new. What about when God wanted to do a new thing with his people? Ezekiel 36, a new heart. Also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And I, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to do, cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Getting a new heart without getting wheeled into the OR and thrown on a table, that sounds like a supernatural thing to me. Being filled with the Spirit of God, that's a supernatural event there. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? And what about when Jesus showed up and he started teaching a new thing? Mark 1, 27, and they were all amazed in so much 
that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commanded he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. God was doing a new thing there in Israel. And he confirmed it with signs and wonders. Because God, he hadn't done that before and now he's teaching a new doctrine. You see, if we're, if we're not open to a new thing and we stick on, stick hold to our traditions and habits, tradition is what killed Jesus. Traditions is what crucified our Lord and Savior because they weren't willing to accept the new thing that Jesus was trying to teach them and show them how the kingdom of God was near. And they wouldn't accept it. They held on to the old things and said, we don't want this new thing. Let's kill this guy. And this new thing called the church, that was a mystery hidden from the beginning of time. Miracles, signs, wonders happening in the church. This is something new. And, it, and, and I know that God has done uh, miraculous things in you. And, and it, the thing about the church is that there's always supernatural things happen. Why? Because even if God has done everything in your life, and you've, you've, you've bought the t-shirt and the hat and, the, and the, the mug and all those things, still somebody new comes in. God says, hey, I'm going to do a new thing in there. You can sit on the sideline if you want, but I see a new prospect. I'm going to do something new in that person. And guess what? The supernatural starts happening again, whether you're involved or not. Why? Because people are hungry. People are desperate. People want a fresh start. And when they find themselves coming through the doors of an apostolic church, all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes down and says, hey, I'm going to do a new thing today. I'm going to do a new thing in that individual Something they've never experienced before. That's the dangers of being in the church for so long is you can get accustomed to things. You can get accustomed to three songs and say, let's go, preacher. I'm used to being out of here by now. Let's go, preacher. What's, what's going on there is we're holding on to old things. We're holding on to past experiences. And what if this is a day that God wants to do something new in your life? Are you going to hold on to yet last week's service? Or are you going to say, hey, God, this is a new day. You've got something new for me today. And I want to step out in faith today. So I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen here in this service in your life if you just came down here and you just raised your hands and you just spoke from your heart and said God just do a new thing in me just do a new thing in me God I, I know I have my normal prayer request and I know I know I normally bring them up but God I don't care today I just want something new today if you feel that you want to do that why don't you just step out of faith and say God Whatever it is you want to do, I want a new thing in you today. Do something new in me. I know I have my normal routine, God, but today I'm willing for you to do something new. I leave it to you, God, whatever it is that you want. I give you a blank check, God, whatever it is. God, just do something new. You do all things well. 
and I'm not going to leave here empty and void. I'm tired of the old things. I'm tired of the old ways of living day after day, week after week, struggling, trying to make it through. God, do something new in me today. Start up a new thing in me. Stir my heart. Stir my soul. Shake my soul today, God. Give me something new today. Help me to make that new step. Plant a new ministry in my heart. A new hunger, God. A new desire for you, Jesus. A new passion to live godly like never before. Renew me, God. Fill me up again. Come on, let's cry out to him. Just begin to worship him. Open yourselves up and say, God, I'm here. Here I am today. Here I am. Do something new in me, God. Shake me, Lord. Here I am, Lord. God is here today. Let him do a new thing in you. Don't hold on to yesterday. Hold on to last week. He's got something new for you today. Come on, let's cry out to him. Let's worship him. He's here today.
give him some thanks. the power of the God that we serve is that every day is a new day in him yet the devil wants to re- keep reminding you of your past and your failures and your sins and your mistakes say devil I'm letting go of those old things I'm reaching for the new things that God has in me and the new things is, is power living in power living with the Holy Ghost living above reproach That's how it should be every day, walking with God. Yesterday was a bad day. Well, today's a new day. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That You made up your mind. I'm going to rejoice today because it's a new day and God can still do new things in a new day. He can still speak something new in your life. It doesn't have to be at church on Sunday. He can speak to you tomorrow. He can speak to you Wednesday morning and all of a sudden something new happens. He can birth a new thing in you on Friday. But if we get hold on to our schedules and traditions, we can put God in a box and say God only works Sunday at 11. Says who? Says who? We just need to let go and say, God, thank you for a new thing. But next Sunday I'm coming back and say, God, I need something new. I need something new. As long as you come, keep coming back hungry, God will still feed you. He'll keep on feeding. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Amen. God never runs out. Even as big as, as many problems as we have, we throw in him, he still can handle them all and more. Amen. I don't want to settle for the old and, and established. I mean, that's good in, in, in areas. But in the spirit. We want new things, right? Amen. God bless you. Go out with a new step and a new walk, a new perspective. Amen. And come back next week ready for something new. In Jesus' name.